Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ding dong. Hello. <laughs> this is Gilbert, and welcome to the destruction. I said it wrong. Distraction is I said destruction. It's distraction. You gotta get it right, man. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> this is Gilbert, and welcome to the destruction. <laughs> Thank you, Gilberg. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined, as always, by the chubby chief, Joseph Holbert. Joseph, how are you? I forgot. I forgot that was a thing we were going to do. I, I, I thought my camera had turned off. I was terrified, and I looked at my screen, and Gilberg was just screaming at me about the destruction. We need to rename this show Destruction. I was already thrown off because it's a Tuesday. We're talking about wrestling. I come on here, and I'm told that this is an NBA podcast after all. All of my Survivor Series extensive notes are down the drain. And then Gilberg is shouting at me. What a start this is. Wow. We're in for a show, folks. Uh, joining us today from Sports Keto, Bleacher Report, Complex, everywhere on the internet. Literally everywhere. Phil Lindsay. What's up, Phil? Going on, guys? I, you know, I didn't know I was going to be graced by Gilberg <laughs> here, man. I'm, I'm clearly not, you know, the biggest name on the show anymore. Like, he's got Gilberg here. I, <laughs> I can't compete with Gilbert. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our buddy Tank Bearclaw purchased that for us and sent it last night. And I was like, well, this is amazing. We're going to play the full thing. Uh, it's it's a longer video. We're going to play the full thing at the end of the show. But I clipped that part of it to have as the intro. And that's our new intro. Joseph, every single week, oh. people are going to have this intro. <laughs> okay. We won the theme song. We got Gilbert. We got Gilbert doing the intro for us. That's fair. Look, it's it's very on brand for us that he's the guy that we are, we're going to be using as our intro. So I can't I can't even argue with it, Jeremy. It's fine with me. I just wish I'd have remembered before the absolute insanity took place on my screen there because it was that was a sight, man. That was very scary. I'm glad you didn't remember because I didn't know you knew about the cameo. I was hoping to surprise you with it, but apparently Tank sent it to you as well, and that was honestly disappointing to found out you knew about it as well. You didn't even like make, so is Ding Dong part of the intro now? 
No, no, no. That's I'm a Bailey stand now. So the I know. That, is that, that like a my thing? nod to yeah. Bailey? I mean, for like this week, it's my thing. <laughs> the Bailey fans right now are like, Jeremy gets on board now. Like, of course, <laughs> things are starting to turn badly. Turn south for poor Bailey. Jeremy's like, I'm a big Bailey fan now. Suddenly, Peyton Royce is going over in the first live. All of a sudden, things are falling apart. But yes, I don't even know if we're going to. Wow, that was quite the. I'm glad we have a guest today because it was just you and I trying to top Gilberg. We might as well just log off now. Pack it in for the day. Uh, friends, we're here to talk about Survivor Series, Raw, anything else wrestling related. We are here on a Tuesday. Usually Thursdays is our big wrestling basketball show, but schedules got switched around. Jack Crosby from CBS Sports was, was supposed to join us. He has like a real job, like a loser. So he couldn't do the show this week to review Body Slam. He will come back on the show at some point when, whenever he can fight his bosses and get time off. I, I told him to just like punch him in the face, Bret Hart style. I don't know if he did it. But he should. He definitely should. No Thursday show this week. It's Thanksgiving. Go celebrate with your family. Don't hang out with us. You got better things to do. Listen, to those jokes of your internet keeps cutting in and out, and I'm going to fight you over yes. that. Right? It's very bad. It's very, very bad. But I am wearing the Brit shirt in homage to Jack, as he is not here. He's our fallen film reviewer today. Yes. I. It was supposed to be Bret Hart shirt day with Jack, but we didn't do that because Jack's not here. So you're just jumping the gun on that gimmick. Don't know when it will be, Jeremy. I do not know when it will be. So I just want to get that out there now, okay? Guys, subscribe to the channel at youtube.com slash Fightful. Sign up to Fightful Select. Leave us a thumbs up. Tap the bell for notifications. Send us a super chat. Send us a super chat. Get your question, comment, statement read on air. Best way to support us. Really appreciate your super chats. Our buddy JJ sends us one. Says, Gilberg. Gilberg supporting my favorite duo who should be on Quizzlemania. What's up, Phil? Thank you, as always, for a distraction. JJ, you are awesome. We appreciate it um let's get into it let's get into survivor series let's get into this beef i have with you phil over lana we're gonna start off hot okay you were dissing lana you didn't like the survivor series finish i i don't know what you thought of the 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 match last night because i didn't have to watch raw last night what's your deal with lana phil what let's let's squash this right now what's up with uh, your beef with lana and me i think phil's frozen so that's a great great start <laughs> You froze Phil to win the argument. You, yeah. you piece of shit, Jeremy. You froze him. I legitimately did it. I will mute microphones. I did it to you last week. I did not purposely freeze Phil uh, just to win this argument. But, it, I mean, it, it works out. Now Phil's gone. Phil will be back hopefully soon. <laughs> what a show we have. Ladies this is a catastrophe, Jeremy. Gilbert. Gilbert has just ruined the show. First show with the Gilbert intro. And we're already off the rails, as you would expect from us. Joseph, what's your beef with Lana? Do you have beef with Lana? I feel like we did this, but okay. Uh, I, <laughs> my beef with Lana, Jeremy, is not it's not so much Lana as much as the whole uh, Raw Women's Division and kind of by default as Survivor Series, then the SmackDown Women's Division became hinged upon the baby face towel of Lana, which is just, it's tough for me. But Phil's back now and he can take the ball from here. But Phil sure. doesn't have a camera i didn't have a camera a minute ago it didn't stop me it'll be fun there we go there we go there we go phil are you there yeah that was weird i don't know what just happened (laughs) phil what's your beef with lana i think he's gonna freeze again (laughs) okay i'm here allegedly you're here we can't sources cannot confirm that you're actually here. 
Sure. Can I confirm? Phil, <laughs> so you're freezing up so much, buddy. <laughs> like I can see you guys, but you... it seems it seems okay, okay right now. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna boot Phil from the show. <laughs> We had a fine connection literally five minutes before going on air, and now this yeah. whole show is falling apart. Yeah, now it's just it's Gilberg awful. finished it. Gilberg <laughs> just I'm just gonna play the Gilberg intro again, just like that's gonna Gilberg be our whole show. Just broke everyone's internet. Yeah, Phil, do you have beef with Lana? <laughs> Joseph's camera is completely gone. Phil is frozen. What has happened to this show? This is why we don't do the show on a Tuesday. What is going on here? Are we back? Are we back? I have no idea. Evan writes into Super Chat. And it says, just wanted to send my appreciation to the lads. Phil is an awesome human. Joe rules. Jeremy is the point god of all point gods. You guys all rule. Thank you, Evan. We appreciate that. that Send us means, super chats. That's going to be the whole show today. It's just me reading super chat. That means that you're a better point god than Chris Paul because you're the point god of all point gods. That feels too yeah. far. No. Why? Okay. I don't know. Chris Paul was pretty good. Yeah. How many titles he won? I'm hanging banners every day. Okay. <laughs> interesting time for that point, but I agree. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to get Phil as the uh, background laugh track for today's show. <laughs> would, you, would you like me to talk Lana? What are we doing with Lana here, folks? Like I don't Phil, know oh, it Phil. seemed like he was working for like two seconds and then it didn't happen. Oh my God, Phil. I don't know. I, I apologize. I don't know how long we can keep going with this. <laughs> my camera is breaking. This is very bad. This is a catastrophe. <laughs> is like really bizarre that was weird can you guys hear me now yeah for now we'll see what happens in two seconds phil do you have beef with lana what's going on here i do not have beef with lana i have beef with the way wwe is kind of using her at the moment (laughs) how are they supposed to use her they're gonna put the title on her that's the perfect oh my god oh my god please please don't wish that on us (laughs) (laughs) i've been wishing this for like two months no, it's been no, wished. No, 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 no. How how would you book Lana, Phil? I don't know because the thing is, Lana's really good at what she does. Like she's good at like all of the entertainment half of it. She's not a bad wrestler either, but she's not someone that we should be focusing segments around every week. <laughs> like it's just it's way too much Lana at the moment. Yes, I'm now going to stop Jeremy before he explains that this is good. (laughs) It is important to have context on these things, right? And it's like, never has a promotion had more top-tier female talent under contract. And yet here we are. We are doing a long, lengthy build to what I assume will be Lana putting Nia for a table at TLC. And then they're going to reassess what they've got after all of this work and say... Oh, well, that's that now. Now do we do? And there's just no reason for that when 
when you look at Survivor Series, there was an obvious option for someone to, to win that match, right? It's yeah. hard to look past that element of it. If you just watch, like, if you watch it in a vacuum and it's like, is it fun, silly stuff? Sometimes, kind of. But like, <laughs> but like with, with the rest of it. Breaking his microphone over Lana. Destroying it. <laughs> with the rest of it. <laughs> with the rest of it, it's a, it's, a, it's a disaster, you know? My camera is destroyed. It's, oh, my God. It's it's a mess because we you know we know what it could be, and instead it's a long build to an angle that we all know the kind of the finish of, and it's like where does it go then? Because none of us want Lana as champ. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I know you do, but no one else does. Uh, my my buddy Tape Machines, uh, big star CJ Lana Perry would like uh, Lana as champion. Doesn't watch the show. Has no interest in watching the show. Will not watch the show for Lana winning the title. <laughs> not a concern of anyone, and he would agree with that. <laughs> You guys are haters, first off. Uh, Evan Wright sends a super chat, says that I missed the Phil draft rant. I need that. No, basketball talk is at the end of the show, like yeah, usual. I my draft rant. Yes, uh, basketball talk is at the end of the show. We got to talk about wrestling first. That's why we're a wrestling website, allegedly. I'm trying to change that every single day. Sean and Jimmy don't listen to me, though. Um, don't know why. I feel like I have good ideas. They just don't listen to me. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just began to do some wrestling talk. Um Let's talk a little generally about the the women's division deal at Survivor Series, the, the five on five deal. Did we like? I tweeted this, but I was like, I almost amazed at my own investment when it was SmackDown's final three baby faces, and it was like I had no faith in them actually coming out of that with a win, and I was all in on rooting for them for a moment. There, I was like a I was like a six year old child, like please live, just kill Nia, I don't know, do something, but it wasn't <laughs> happening. I knew it wasn't going to happen. And um, as a heel, spitting as a heel here, folks. That's Lana, you know, Nia being a heel, nothing personal, to be clear. But that's what I was doing. And it ended, and I was sort of like, I don't know if that was good, but I was into it, and it really felt like they built the, the table, they set the table correctly for, like, Bianca doing, a, you know, the heroic win. They had that all – I thought her, her cell there with uh, Shayna's choke was, like, the perfect first step of the big heroic comeback and win, and instead she was counted out 30 seconds later. Now, again, in a vacuum, was the finish smart for what they're trying to do? Sure. Is what they're trying to do useful in any way, shape, or form? That is the part to debate. Phil, what did you make of the uh, Survivor Series women's match, the five-on-five elimination? Uh, There was a lot to like about it because I think it was smart to – the way they booked the SmackDown women was very very smart because – uh, Bailey has had all the screen time for months. So you took Bailey out immediately and then you let the other women shine. And I thought, I thought that was great. Like, um, Liv looked great. Um, Bianca looked great. Uh, Ruby even had moments where she looked good, but to then do all of that and then end the match that way just made absolutely no sense to me. <laughs> like it just, it didn't help Lana in my opinion. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how we were supposed to feel as Bianca fans. I don't think that she was robbed of a win here, but it was kind of like, oh, we watched all that just to get a count out on a pay-per-view? Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> I bit dropping aside, I was very worried that when they did the Bianca Naya thing on the outside, Bianca was going to get into the ring and like celebrate that Nia had been counted out and Lana was just going to like roll her up. 
which I feel would have been a complete disaster. Yeah. If they're going to have Lana do the sole survivor gimmick, that was probably the best way they could have done it. Should Lana have been the sole survivor and been in that position? Obviously, of course, but truthfully, no. Like it should have been Bianca's time to shine and they should have put her over strong. Instead, they did that. Yeah, and I think you can do the Lana Soul Survivor thing. Like if if Nia made it back onto the apron first and then Lana like came up behind her and pulled her leg out and tripped her and caused the count out. All right, I can get behind that because she did something other than just stand there. Like she just stood there. <laughs> Nothing about that is interesting. Yes, it was a babyface triumph in which the babyface <laughs> stood and watched an actual babyface struggle against the ring, not get into the ring. So the person we're rooting for doesn't win. And then we're like, oh, yeah, Lana won. Great. Like, but it didn't achieve anything. And especially because, again, like, I. I assume the actual payoff to this is eventually something with a table and Nia. It's like, to me, this isn't the climax, the angle. So why even give Lana that victory? Like You'd be better off just keep going with the, the, the silliness you're doing, and then eventually she finally gets the one up, and then that's the end of it. Now it's like you've just sort of half done it, and you're going to continue it. And that's what I wanted to, you know, we can get into that now, because just talking generally about the division, it's like I think we all left Survivor Series saying – Okay, Asuka's really great. We forgot. Now let's give her a great program. And they said, huh, good idea. Let's do a tag team with Lana. So, <laughs> and this is where the frustration comes from, right? Lana is not, it's not Lana's fault. The issue is this is not a side angle. This is now the centerpiece of the division. Like, the, it's, Asuka is now in this thing. So that's yeah. where I'm at. And I'm sure Phil probably agrees with that, right? Right. Because- Phil. You're now, <laughs> you're now tying up two titles with this thing. You're now tying up the tag titles and the Raw Women's title for this thing. It's it's just too much. I mean, if this is just like a comedy angle every week, cool. But like, where are you going with this? You're not gonna make you're not gonna make Lana champion. And if the goal is to make Lana a tag champion with Asuka, nobody wants that. Like Kabuki Kabuki Warriors are. Vastly superior. Why on earth would we want Asuka and Lana as champion? Yes. So, and, and one's to, sorry, Jeremy, but one's to, we're, we're going now, Jeremy. You can, you can just leave the show. We're talking about Lana sucking and all this stuff. Okay. We're carrying on. That's very good. I appreciate that. Okay. But the, the one person, obviously Asuka is the champ, but I have the other three people in this angle, the one person who could be of use to them in a higher position is Shayna. And to me, each week she spends in this angle, she's capped even further as a prelim act. She's the least important part of this angle. She, initially, at the start of this team, she was like a baby-faced tweener. And the whole thing was her and Nia were like an odd couple deal, right? And they clashed on. She's now just Nia's sidekick. She just cleans the table up for her. <laughs> it's like, I just... It's inexplicable the way they use the resources at hand. Again... If you enjoy it, that's fine. I'm just saying, big picture, man. It feels like a whole waste of time to me. Why is it a waste of time, though? They're going to... All right, so it seems like they're building towards Lana and Asuka winning the, the tag team titles. No, no, it's a table match. 
No one's getting over Jeremy, and you know it. You're that's, not. That's you, the whole company, <laughs> though. That's the whole company. No one's getting that, over. That's why it's a waste of time. We right now. So we the whole just, company's a waste of time. We could have done Bianca Blair, and we could be setting her up to win the Rumble and then go to WrestleMania. We could have brought Rhea Ripley up and set her up to do the same thing. And instead, what we achieved was an extra month of Lana, which will then lead to absolutely nothing because they're going to realize at the end of it, oh, no one wants Lana as champ. Now what do we do? They're on so, different brands, though. They can still do that stuff with uh, Bianca. But you're just – this is a big four pay-per-view. It's a, a waste of an opportunity. It, it, you can get someone over with. These are tools to get people over. We've seen it through history. These are the moments where you actually say, okay, pick someone. Let's make them a start. That's why the Big E stuff frustrated me. It's just he doesn't need to be on the team. Well, why are we booking the match then if it's so inconsequential people don't need to be on the team? It's just silliness. There's no stakes whatsoever. It's brand supremacy. Can we get someone over at least? Can we just try? Can we try and make a new star maybe? I don't know. I'm going in rant mode here, but I'm going to clip this up and make a for me. But it just is frustrating. And you, and you know it, Jeremy Lambert, doing that shake <laughs> of the head. I do know it. My favorite part of this is you're like you're in. You're back. You're the you're the leader of the tag team division again. I thought you retired from this. You were ready to leave it all behind and it was over. Now you're back as the president and you're you're fighting for this this division and these titles and everything. I have no I have no interest in the tag titles. I'm talking about the, the actual titles, you know. The tag titles are they're gone. They're finished. Forget it. Move on. It's done. But yes, it's um it's infuriating to me. It's just when I actually like have to sit and think about it. When I'm just watching it, it's fine. But when you think of what it could be, man, it's it's tough. When you see Asker and Shayna doing like little exchanges in a random tag match, it's like, wow, probably should be doing something better with this here. You know, it's just, it's not fun. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Liv and Ruby, they should be tag champions. I mean, everything about them, their presentation. The way they work together, they should be tag champions. I don't know why they are waiting so long to just put the belts on them. I I don't either, but it feels like there's a disconnect with... It feels to me like there's a disconnect with what we see in Ruby Riot and what they see. Liv, I'm less sure. They definitely seem to have high hopes for Liv at one point. I hope still, still so. But like when Ruby came back and didn't win a match for months, it was like, geez, man. Because yeah, me as a fan, when Ruby came back, I was excited for that. I think Ruby's one of the more versatile women they have in the sense that she can be a tremendous like underdog baby face, and she can also be a like resentful heel. To them, though, it seems like she's just another body almost, and that's like that's yeah. that's concerning to me. I mean, it'll be interesting when eventually Mandy and Dana is back as a team. It's like to me, it's obvious which baby face team you go with, right? Like you just said it then. It's like it's Liv and Ruby. It is. If they go the other way, that then it would be pretty telling, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest problems with the introduction of the tag title is they have not designated any women in the division as tag team wrestlers. They're just kind of like, oh, we're going to throw these two together, and now they're tag team wrestlers. They've got to decide like who are going to be your tag teams and who are going to stay your tag teams. Otherwise, you're going to keep having the same problem. Yes, I think there's two approaches. You could either commit, like you just said there, to a core group of teams, right? Or if you didn't want to do that, you didn't have faith in that as a system, you could even do it in a way of like, you know how in New Japan when they'll do the tag league, everyone has like their go-to partner, right? Like even top stars have like, I remember for years Tanahashi would team with like Captain New Japan. You could even do it in a way where every woman at least we know vaguely that's someone that she would team with in that setting. 
And that's even a loose way of doing it. Unfortunately, they've done neither of those. They're like in the middle where it's like some people are just so distant from the tag division until they need to do one tag match and then it's gone again. So it's like, yeah, it is a wasted opportunity, but I, I, I hate to say this, but it's the, like, I just, I'm at a point where I've just lost all optimism and faith in that particular, like I think the women's title stuff, it, it can always be saved. I think it will always be pretty good by like mania time. The tag title stuff, man, I'm just like, you know, there's only so much stuff I can care about at times. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I don't want to keep ranting about the tag division, but I felt they they were on to something with Sasha and Bailey as champions. And once they took the titles off of them, they had the chance to make the next tag team, like the team to build the division around. And they go, nope, we're going to do the Frankenstein team with Nia and, and Shayna. Okay. To what end? Mana <laughs> as the women's tag team champion. That's the end of all That's this. it, though. It's all it's yeah. short-term plays. And, and in the moment, we're not saying it's terrible stuff. So, like, if you if you enjoy everything that's going on TV, I'm not saying you're wrong because I think a lot of it's fine TV. When we're talking about big picture, right, like where this long-term end game this is, and it's like you watch Nia and Shane, and it's like, that was a good match. But we all know they're not going to be a team forever. You know, exactly. like, it's just, it's, you're doing something... It's like just building another bridge, and then eventually you keep running out of these, man. It's just, at some point, you know, either the division's going to... I mean, the, the one thing is, I guess, is when you look at the men's tag titles, I mean, they have they have had one of the greatest teams in history in that division for what, five, six years now with New Day. And it's like, it's still a struggle from team put F into that. So it's not surprising to me that they struggle to do it with the women. It's, in fact, very on brand for them to be like, tag titles, who needs them? Yeah. Right? <laughs> but it is frustrating, definitely. We got a super chat from Evan Wright um, about a former women's tag team champion now on a new tag team. Peyton eliminated Bailey and she'll get nothing. Peyton eliminated Bailey <laughs> and then was like immediately eliminated right after that. I have no faith that this is leading to like anything. Honestly, I so, don't. I really want to believe that they could do something with this, but they won't because the, just the way that they. Just the where it is, like, because you're not going to build that into a TLC match. And you're not going to probably give Peyton the Royal Rumble win either. So, I don't know <laughs> where this is going. I, I, I think it was great, and I want to hope otherwise, but it's probably not going nowhere. This feels to me like a good example. And I, I apologize if folks have heard me say this before, because I do repeat myself a lot on this show, but... It feels like an example of someone needing to like step in before any of this is done and just be like, okay, where are we actually going to do this? Because I am sure the idea was split up the Iconics, we're going to push Peyton Royce, right? I 100% believe their intentions were pure in that sense. But someone needed to put their hand up and go, okay, when are we actually going to do the push part or are we just going to like pretend it for a week and then forget and put in another tag team? Because if you look at what they're doing on Raw, it's like Mania season's coming. It's it's soon, and we don't think Peyton's going to be involved in that stuff. Maybe we're wrong for that, but I don't anyway. No. And you you kind of look up. They're doing the whole thing with Alexa. Charlotte's still looming. She's going to be back. And so someone should have just said, "Look, guys, we're probably not about to do a Peyton push. Maybe we should keep her in the tag team that people like." <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they don't they don't have anything long term though. Like to switch directions to the men's thing, the Raw men's team did a clean sweep of the SmackDown men's team, right? What happened to the Raw men's team six days before that? They lost the Retribution. What happened last night on Raw? 
Retribution was not on Raw. Like, there is no actual rhyme or reason to any of this. Like you said, Joseph, they're just building a short-term bridge, and that's all it is. Like, they don't have any long-term concrete plans. They're just like, eh, what can we do tonight that might make sense? We might follow up on, we might not. Like, that's the entire company. Outside of, like, the rain stuff. The rain stuff, it seems like there's an actual long-term plan. Everything else, no. It's just, what, what can we do this week? to fill five hours of television across these two shows. Dill is disconnected. Well, I, I agree, but it is less of an urgent priority to me because I look at the team that Raw has and I think four of those guys, whether you like all four of them or don't, are in a position where they're one win away from being in a thing. Like, Sheamus, he loses a lot, but honestly, they can heat him up and he can do a program with Drew and it'll be fine. What's more concerning with the women to me is we are increasing the gap between the group that they've been pushing now for four years and the rest. And with each time they do stuff where they prioritise a woman who's never going to be in that top group, the gap gets bigger every single time. And that group is the horsewomen, Asuka and Alexa because they've been on TV consistently and they've always been in stuff. Asuka for a while faded away, but now she's way back in that, right? And it's like, the longer you go without adding to that group, the less exciting options and possibilities we have. And Lana's never going to be in that group. With the men, it's like, it's an embarrassment of riches for guys that are like upper mid-card guys with the men. Like AJ Styles can at any point be a title challenger and we'll happily watch it and be like, sure. We may not think he's going to win, so while I agree with you, the booking is, it sucks. It's like when Bobby Lashley's your eighth guy from the top, you'll be okay. <laughs> you can figure things out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, I chuckled because the, what they did with Peyton is what I wanted them to do with Big E and the men's. And it didn't happen for some reason. I don't know. Um, I've kind of made up my own headcanon that, SmackDown got washed like that because Big E wasn't on the team and they didn't have any leadership. And they kind of picked Seth as their leader, de facto leader, and he like abandoned them and they just got basically squashed. And mm-hmm. I I would really hope that they go back to that storyline later, but I don't think that they would because it's kind of too smart for them. <laughs> well, I'm actually glad you brought Big E up because I would have, we should talk about that because there's a lot of debate about like where he's headed, right? Like people can laugh and call it complete optimism and naivety on my part, but I was pretty convinced that he was going to be Roman's opponent at Mania. And granted, you know, anyone could say to me, that's your fault. They didn't tell us that. It's your your head. But like, where would you say, Phil, you are on the concerned scale about Big E's sort of singles run at this point? Because it's, it's been a little bit ominous the last month, right? Um, I was about... 99% sure he was going to win the Rumble about two months ago. I still think he could win the Rumble, but I really think they are, I I really think they are smelling, you know, the, <laughs> they're filling in the air, bringing a rock back. And I feel like rock Roman is too good in, for some people to feel like they should pass up. I don't think they should do that. I think they should do Roman versus Biggie for numerous reasons, but I don't think they're going to pass up on a marquee match. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get Rock versus home. Rogan. Yeah, Roman. <laughs> it's, it's interesting, right? Because 
there are some short-term plays that are almost too blockbuster to pass up on there, you know? And I, I speaking as a fan, that has, like, we watch this stuff every week and we cover it, so we're entrenched in it. We are in the bubble, even if we don't want to be sometimes. Right. Being that person, my camera turned off, being that person, <laughs> I would like to see a story that is kind of the start of something special for this era, which to me is... The idea of a character like Big E staying true to his roots and being the locker room leader while Roman Reigns sold his soul effectively to be with Heyman and, and, you know, do that whole deal. To me, that's like a generational program, potentially. But at the same time, I would get it, right? I think we all would understand if the Rock thing is like, the Rock is a big enough deal. It's not like um, hmm, Goldberg is probably a good example of a guy where it's like, as much as I enjoy the Goldberg nonsense, it isn't an actual big deal in the real world, right? The Rock is. So right. I, I would get it, but I, I agree with you. And my concern is that we're going to just get to like, oh, he won the IC title. That's not great. You know, yeah. like, uh, he could have done that in New Day. That's not a big deal to me. Right. I think the concern with bringing in Rock when it, when it pertains to Big E is like, if Roman beats Rock, then if Big E is the guy to beat Roman, it ups his star even more. Problem with that is, do they just backburn Big E even further and to the point where they just forget about him because that's what they like to do? Big E not being on the Survivor Series team or even in the little gimmick battle royal thing, whatever it's called, that's a little concerning to it me. Is. He hasn't done anything since he beat Sheamus. He's been doing the the segments with Street Profits. He was out there with New Day. They did the big like New Day reunion, and it was just here's our Gears of War uh, stuff. And then he just walked to the back. Like people can say, oh, they're protecting him. They didn't want him to take a loss in the Survivor Series match. They didn't want him to take a loss in this battle royal. He can win. Like they, they can book this stuff to where he wins this stuff. It's not difficult, right? Like he could have won that battle royal. This yeah. show is like a, a documentation of Jeremy like suddenly getting passionate again about his hatred of <laughs> WWF booking. Like he came into this being like, oh, Phil and Joel wine a little. I'll do some Lana silliness and we'll get out of here. He's now suddenly like going to romp. Like, my camera sucks. So I, I don't know. Um, he, he's, I don't know. Up. he's getting there. By the end of this, we're going to be calming <laughs> him down. Joe. I don't know. I don't know where it's headed, but what, what do we have to hit on on Survivor Series? Let's talk a little bit. Uh, we mentioned Roman with the Big E stuff. Where were we at on that match? Roman and Drew, um, it seemed to be pretty popular from what I could gather. There was a couple takes the other way, but where was you at on that, Phil? Uh, Drew and Roman. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was glad they went with Roman and uh, Drew because it seemed like we were getting Orton versus Roman, which isn't as interesting in my opinion. Um, and I thought they did a great job of uh, promoting the match in just two weeks. Uh, but I thought it was great. Joseph, you you seem like you have a take on this. Uh, I, I mean, I can do a take. Do you want me to do a take? I'll do a take. I, the one thing I thought was interesting about this match was it's obvious to me that Roman is prioritizing the heel character right now. And he, he's, you know, he, he knows that the priority right now is this character needs to be established he needs to work in a way that even the biggest, most ardent Roman Reigns fan who's supported him for five years is like, oh, I hope Drew wins. Yeah, that's what his job is right now, and he's making a point of that. And what was interesting about that was Drew generally as a babyface is most fun when he's just like 
in fights with people. When he's, you know, either he's got a bump in here or he's working a guy like Lashley who he can just have like a hoss fight with. But for Nish, for the first two portions of this match, he was like a traditional babyface because Roman is a traditional heel right now. And it was just interesting to watch them figure that out because what was it, 18 months ago, they were on the complete opposite sides of the coin. So that was fun. But once they, I mean, as soon as Roman like just loosens up a little bit and he's like, okay, now we can do something like a finishing stretch. You get reminded how great he is. I thought the match was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it very much. Jeremy, do you have a take on this match? I thought it was a great match. I don't know why people are like trying to bury this match. Like, I don't, I don't get it. I thought it was a, a great match between two very good professional wrestlers. That was it. It was a hot closing stretch. It would have been better with a crowd. I like, I think, yeah. I think the piped in crowd stuff actually like hurts the enjoyment for some people because they just can't get over the the fake this is awesome chance and, and the fake ambience noise and stuff. And so they're like, oh, this isn't really that great. Like the, this fake noise is ruining this match for me. I feel like it's just a contrarian take that, that people want to throw out there and not actually paying attention to the match. Wow, you're yeah. coming in hot with these. You just bust out a contrarian take here. On that <laughs> My God, that sums up this show. Okay, then, <laughs> Mr. Lambert, I'll, I'll ask you this, and then Phil, I'd like your, your answer too. Match of the night. Was that the match of the night, Mr. Contrarian Take, Jeremy Lambert? That would, that would, that would require that I paid attention to all of these matches. <laughs> <laughs> got, uh, no. Championship matches, the champ versus champ matches, right? We, could, we saw those. We watched those. And New, New Day and Street Profits was the best match of the night to me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Phil, what do you think? I actually think Sasha versus Asuka was match of the night. And I have to give them a lot of credit because I came into that match very uninterested in it because we've seen this thing three times. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm never going to complain about seeing Asuka versus Sasha. They're fantastic. But I mean, we've seen this thing dragged out for months. So I wasn't that interested, but they put on a fantastic match. I wasn't expecting Sasha to go over clean. So I was excited about that. And I was like, okay, maybe we're off to the races with Sasha. Maybe we're getting over our old mistakes with her and we're going to just completely book her sound. This, this stay on that track for a second. Cause that's interesting to me because I agree with you. It feels like they've come to a conclusion with her. Now, granted you could, you could debate and you could argue pretty successfully that could have came four and a half years ago, that, that conclusion, but that's gone now. Yeah. Right. So what are you going to do? What do we think is an ideal scenario? Are we looking at a run till Mania and then you do a match with Blair and you set up something that's long-term and it's a special program? Or are we at a point where it's like, forget that. That's the face of the division. Let her run with the ball until she can't run no more. But where are you at on that? I I think she's got to get like a big WrestleMania moment because she's the only one out of the four of them that doesn't have it. So I feel like she's got to get something big at Mania. and. I think they dropped the ball personally because I thought she should have had her first title defense at Mania. It would have made much, much more sense. Um, but they rushed her back so soon. I, for whatever reason, I don't know. But now I, I kind of don't know because now you put yourself in a hole where a lot of people are going to want Bianca to win the match if they have that match. So, and you don't have another good enough heel on the show other than Bailey for Mania. So, other, either you're going to have Bailey win the Rumble and you're going to run that match back at Mania, or I don't know what you're going to do. 
it's it's interesting because that one of the weird things about the women's division is we're still conditioned to the idea that the women are only allowed like you know the title matches all you get. That's what we're conditioned to, right? And it's obviously right. we all we, we all agree that should change, but it's hard to have faith in that. So you end up in these positions where it's like, okay, Bailey was an anchor of the show for a year, and she was the champ, but it seems kind of likely, half likely, that she's kind of without a WrestleMania destination now, unless you go back to her and Banks, right? Because Banks has to be in the match of Mania. So it's, it can why be kind of do, Why can't you do a triple threat? I just, I, I mean, I don't know what Phil says on that. I just, triple threats for me are kind of played out at this point. Like I've seen it. I get it. Everyone's does their cool stuff, yeah. but to me, it isn't the, what I think of as like, you know, the blockbuster billboard match just to me. That's just like, no, I, I understand that. Like, I'm not saying they should do this triple threat, but I feel like it might be their best option, honestly. Because I don't know if you want to do Sasha and Bailey again. Not not that I would complain about seeing them get their WrestleMania match. Same with if you do Sasha and Bianca. The Sasha-Bianca thing feels kind of tough with both of their current characters. Like, I mean, you could easily do, yeah. hey, I'm the best. I'm the best. Let's do this match. Bian- or Sasha, like, no offense to this current run, it's been short so far. Hasn't done much for me. Like she's the same character that she's just, I'm the boss, you know, I'm great. Like her friend turned on her, but she hasn't like actually changed at all. She still feels like the same person who was just a dick to everybody all summer. And I'm not like super, I don't think her promos have been that great. It's the (laughs) same like written WWE promo. I'm the best. The division's on notice. I'm the boss. It's boss time. It's like, all right, cool. I get it. And I love Sasha as a performer. Ain't doing nothing though. I've broken Joseph somehow. <laughs> Sorry, it's your WWF promo it was tremendous. I very much appreciate that's it. How, that's the promo, isn't it? Like that, that's what I she says. She holds up the title. Yeah, she holds oh, she she, it. Oh, I do, I do, I do it. She does that. She does, she does, the, she does, the, she does the thing which comes out. She does that thing. And she holds up the title. <laughs> you know, she holds up the title and she's like, the women's division is on notice because I'm Sasha Banks and I'm the boss and I'm the gold standard. I'm the blueprint and everybody else just falls in line. That's the problem. I actually, I actually would like to talk about this because I, there is no point on wrestling Twitter. Then I, I never feel older than when the topic of shades of gray characters comes up. I f- actually feel like I've never been online before when I read this. Like I'm in awe of it. My take is that it is wrestling is relatively simple and it would be smart for the this this character, the legit boss that is the blueprint, the SmackDown Women's Champ, to in some way redeem herself as a person. I pitched years ago, it was only months, but it feels like years, that she should do a deal where Survivor Series was actually Team Bailey, Team Banks. This is before they run through the feud in a week. And she would have to go to all the baby face in the SmackDown locker room and have to prove to them that she'd changed. She had learned that her loyalty to Bailey had made her do things she shouldn't have done. That is so far absent from what we've got right now because, like, it sounds like hyperbole, but Jeremy's not wrong, right? That is what the character is. It's the same character, just about Bailey. And I'm not saying, like, the truth of it is maybe the audience that she's most, um, she could most cross over into doesn't care. They don't care about wrestling tropes and good versus bad. Maybe that's the truth. I don't know. But, me sitting there watching the show, it's like, oh man, it, it feels like they're overly complicating a, a character change that should be pretty simple. Where are you at on that one, Phil? Because I currently feel very old when I read the discussion about it. 
Yeah, because it feels like it's not a turn, right? It feels like Bailey turned on her, but it's not really a turn because she still acts the exact same way. And I mean, we got evidence of that this week when Oscar just kind of watched her get walloped and was just like, okay. <laughs> um, so I don't know. They haven't done anything to make her seem inherently like a face. And they do that a lot. Um but I think that's kind of the problem you run into with rushing her back so soon. Like you didn't give this any time to breathe. You didn't give Bailey any time to get, you know, progressively worse at the heel. You just brought her back and go, okay, here's the match. Helen sell. Yes, that's, it. <laughs> that's, that's true. Okay. So we, we've done, we've done the SmackDown deal. This, this go raw because I know that my friend Jeremy Lambert, He's a very nasty character, and he texts me, what should we do? What's the thumbnail, Joe? I take a couple of hours. Granted, I didn't reply immediately. <laughs> Next thing I know, it's Fiend Alexa actually good, like a full-on Twitter thread on my on my yeah. podcast thumbnail here. So we have to do that, right? So do we – here's the deal, because I've read some of Phil's work on this, and I've seen his tweets, man. I, I think we all share the sentiment that one of the biggest strengths of Alexa – is that at the point she's at in her career, she does not need the title, right? I mean, we would all share that in an ideal world. However, are we all in consensus that it certainly feels as though they are like, that's where they're going, it feels to me. Because I'm looking at what they're building elsewhere, and we don't need to go back to Lana. We certainly don't need to do that. But it's like, it feels like the Ascotite reign is stalling until either Alexa's ready or Charlotte's back. So firstly, Phil, do you think that, do you agree with that kind of assumption? And then what do you think of it if it is the case? So I, uh, a few weeks ago, I, well, it wasn't a few weeks ago, it was last week. I, I wrote a article for Bleach Report on my picks to win the Rumble. And a few months ago, same with Big E, I thought Sasha was the favorite to win the Rumble. This was before they rushed her back. Now it's kind of up in the air because they haven't really, they haven't really done anything to make anyone stand out other than Alexa. Alexa stands out far ahead of anyone else on Raw. So I feel like she has to be the favorite to win the Rumble. Um, I don't think that's the right decision, but I feel like that's definitely something they would do. And I'm not mad at Asuka versus Alexa at Mania if she keeps the title that long, but I think it's a mistake. And I I think you've got plenty of chances to let Alexa kind of run roughshod on the rest of the division and build up some of these other women, but I don't think they're going to do that. I would agree. And also the thing that's interesting for Alexa is she's the only woman that has a route to WrestleMania that is kind of away from the general pattern because she has Bray. You can do so much weird stuff with Bray that you can work her into for WrestleMania, right? It's, it's interesting because I, my kind of assumption when I looked at what they had um, a week ago after the Rhea NXT matches, I mean, me and Jeremy spoke about it and we said Rhea and Charlotte as the Raw match felt likely to us. I don't know if Rhea's ever coming up. I don't know if it's allowed for people to come up from the women's division anymore. I think we're just supposed to have like 25 world-class females in the NXT <laughs> division. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Lana's, you know, the centerpiece on Raw. So I don't know what the situation is with that. That's a different thing. But now you look at it and it's like, Fiend Alexa against Charlotte sounds like it has all the ingredients of being like kind of a disaster to me. I don't know if they want to go that way, but we all know that Charlotte's going to be in that match. Like she's look, Charlotte last year effectively invented a title match for WrestleMania. 
we got to accept that she's probably going to be in this thing. So you start looking around and it's like, oh, I don't know. I mean, Alexa and Charlotte, I think, in a different universe could be a lot of fun with, role, with Alexa as a baby face against Charlotte because the size. Alexa as a clown killer that doesn't sell against Charlotte is a very scary proposition to me. So I don't know, yeah. Jeremy, where are we headed on WrestleMania here? I feel like Alexa is in the similar boat to Bray of like, just they don't need the title. Neither of them needs to be in this feud. So yeah. don't do it. So, which means they're going to try to put the title on her because that's, that's what exactly. they're going to do. Uh, but Joseph, I need your takes on this Alexa and Nikki thing from last night. Cause I don't know if this was the blow off to the feud, no. but you don't think so? No, I think they're doing, um, that she, what does she have on her gloves? Someone help. She has play. Play and pain. 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 That was the <laughs> that was the fun house, Alexa. And I think Nikki will keep pushing it until you get to whatever her version of the fiend Alexa will be. And when that happens, I'm sure it'll be a cool moment because WWE's great at those like broad production deals, and I'm sure it will look cool. Obviously, it's a complete mystery how you book such a character because Alexa's frame isn't Bray Wyatt's. Breaking news, I know. Um I was, to be totally honest, I was on Twitter and it was very polarized in the Alexa stuff. And I was like, I'm interested to watch it. And I watched it and I was like, well, I just thought it was fine. I didn't think it was anything that was worth like a big sort of take. It was fine to me. It was online. Very, I think Nikki's tremendous at character work anyway. And Alexa is, does, if nothing else, she commits to this deal. <laughs> She's certainly thrown herself into it. Like, I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. Do I think, is it my like idealistic view on what I would do with these people? Probably not. But most of the people that hate it probably hate the Bray stuff too. So it's like, it's always going to be polarizing by nature, right? Where was you at on that whole deal last night, Phil? Uh, I thought it was a fun match. Uh, you're always going to get a polarizing crowd with uh, Alexa because she's just polarizing at this point. Like some people mm-hmm. really, really love her. Her stands go super duper hard. Like her stands are up there with Sasha stands. Like you don't say anything bad about Alexa anywhere or you're just going to get like thousands of them popping up in your mentions. Um, So you're always going to get like this divisive crowd when it comes to Alexa. But I thought it was fun. I thought everything that Alexa did was great character work. I thought the finish was perfect. Um, And I don't think this is over. I definitely think it's another match coming. Um, But again, I just think this is her. This should be her. This should be her wheelhouse. Like these kind of secondary feuds, putting her in a title feud is a mistake. And boy, I, like I enjoyed Alexa versus Charlotte at SummerSlam, whichever year that was. That was 2018, I think. 2017, somewhere around there. Yeah, um, <laughs> it all blows, man. Yeah. yeah. So I, I enjoyed the Survivor Series match, but I, I don't want to see that match with like Fiend Alexa, like. There's too many ways to mess that up. Either you're going to book Alexa way too strong for that match, or you're going to have Charlotte go over like they do on everybody that has some momentum, and it's going to look bad. They need to stay far away from each other. (laughs) Charlotte uses the spear, and that's the Achilles heel of of the Bray Wyatt. (laughs) And so I think that'll be the Achilles heel of of Alexa Bliss as well. I think that's how you book this. Finishes her with like a botched uh, jackhammer. Just... <laughs> oh my I don't think Charlotte's botching a jackhammer on Alexa Bliss. If that she does, incredible. she's got a problem. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I, it, one thing that Phil was talking about really came to my mind. Um, I think that one of the biggest issues with Alexa as a heel champ was they are so rigid in structure of matches and layout that they will be like, okay, Alexa's the heel, she should take 80% of this match and do a lengthy nine-minute heat segment. I always thought that was completely in contrast to what she's good at in ring. I I am very concerned about how much this new character could lean into that exact issue, you know? And sometimes this stuff is where we are like, we're watching for different things perhaps, because I could definitely see her wrestling matches like Bray and Bruce and co backstage high-fiving each other, talking about how brilliant it is, you know? But it's just from, from what I enjoy in the ring, I'm somewhat alarmed by the idea of Alexa, like taking lots of the match and sort of doing the whole, you know, uh, take a deal of like a zombie sort of strolling from spot to spot. This feels like in complete contrast to what she's good at. So the biggest challenge, whether Alexa's in secondary future yeah. in the title picture, is finding an in-ring style that will fit whatever this character's going to be, but still do what she... Because I personally thought the babyface run was completely... I mean, as you said, Phil, everything's polarising, but it's split people. I thought her in-ring was way better as a babyface. I think that suits Alexa 10 times more. How you're going to do a clown, murderous clown fiend character with five foot Alexa, who's better when she's on offense or she's doing back and forth stuff? Good lord, man! I um, I don't know. That's going to be the task. I feel that decides this thing. She should just run through people. She shouldn't take no, any damage. She should just beat oh, them. Very, very, very small, Jeremy. She's very, very small. So, very, very small. <laughs> David beat Goliath. He was pretty. He was pretty small. Yeah, he he didn't wear a clown mask and run through him. How do you know? True. True. Yeah, you're right. You're this fair. I guess Ray sometimes wore a clown mask, right? He sort of rotated them, so maybe we could pull it off. Yeah. Right. yeah. Anyway, make it work. Here's here's one thing I I do feel for the sake of the bit that we've established on this show. So I apologise in advance, Phil, because sometimes things get out of hand on this program. Sometimes I, I do I do have to mention how fittingly lame the Undertaker farewell come across to you because we did like a 20 minute bit about how like satirical it was that he was going to walk up the ramp, turn his face <laughs> camera and do the arm deal and the fire and all that stuff would go off and not like, even the whole bit about it and I was I was in awe of how unimpactful that thing was. Phil what is your whole reaction to one of the most bizarre segments they've probably produced in years? So there, there, there's two there's two takes here. So 
one take is he comes into this thing like very he's he there's a very divided opinion about Undertaker on the internet right now. Either you're like he's the he's the greatest wrestler of all time, nothing can take that for me. He's in this Mylark bag, nothing can take that. And then there's the other crowd that's like, I don't know these political takes, this donation stuff. I don't know about this taker guy. So <laughs> you you got those two crowds. So coming into this thing, you already are gonna have to try and reach like a happy middle ground for both these crowds and you come out with like this super overproduced <laughs> entrance basically that's all it was it's like an overproduced entrance he comes out does the hologram which the hologram was fantastic i thought that was great um you have like this whole crowd come out for some reason they don't say anything they just all come out and gather and then disappear and then vince comes out with the most amazingly arched eyebrows i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> and introduce them and it was so weird it, it was like what what's going on here i kept waiting for the hook like okay is somebody gonna come out and attack them no Thank we had God. to watch him walk all the way back up the top of the ring and stand at the top of the ramp and do the fist and i'm like okay where's this going nope tagline we're out i was like okay <laughs> What rules about this is I watched like this the broken skull deal he did and he was like you know some people just hate seeing me as like the real person Mark and I'm watching this just thinking like I am certain that it's worse when you come out with the eyeliner on and the gear. I'm I will bet any money that more of us hate that. And I'm looking at this, okay, I'm looking at this setting, and you've got all these legends, some not legends, some of his just friends. And it's like, you know what would be cool? If he just came out as last ride Mark, had a little chat, laughed with the Godfather, and said farewell, right? There's no fans in attendance. Just do like a private speech almost. They space these Hall of Fame. Yeah. Boy, could they have gone any further away from that? Because they did like a. Kane was in. <laughs> but whoever is regardless of that when they did the video package they were all gone so yeah. there was nothing there was no heart or emotion to it because there's no fans in attendance and obviously the only people there have now left gone backstage they're all of the actual sort of whether you're even really into taker or not all of it took place behind the curtain while what we got was a taker promo. He did the funny voice. He had the <laughs> eyeliner. He had the, you know, the physique is what it is now. God bless him. He's not so young. And it's just, I'm watching it. I'm just, it felt so tone deaf and out of place and weird to me. Jeremy, was this as weird as Phil and I think it was? I thought it was, I thought it was weird, but this is exactly what I expected though. Like I, this is what I expected. He does the whole Undertaker gimmick. You know, we, we did the bit, uh, the turn, the fist and all that stuff. The, the great gift, great send off and everything. This is what I expected from it. I think it would have been better. Booker T on his podcast talks about Undertaker was at the bar the night before, just buying shots for the boys and everything. That's the stuff I want to see. Just throw him in the ring drinking. Like just throwing back shots and whatnot. Like that that's much better than hey, here's the Undertaker in front of a bunch of LED screens and stuff. But the problem with that is is Kevin Dunn can't do his big Thunderdome production with just here's Mark. Like you gotta you gotta have the big production piece for for him for this. He was so excited to show off this Undertaker entrance in the Thunderdome that he wasn't going to let it slide. That's the only reason I think they did it this way. Is so Kevin Dunn can can get his uh jollies off with the the big entrance. 
how much do you feel sorry for the poor guy whose one job all night was to push the crowd peace sign when Taker did the rest in peace? And that poor dude smashed that button. It went off twice. It was like, rest in peace, 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 peace. Dude, there was that and the, the MIDI entrance theme. What was that nonsense? Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. What, what was like, it, there was a part where, the sound got like muddled by whatever those big it electro was... things were, and everything sounded like it was coming out of a kazoo. It was, <laughs> it was crazy. Like what? <laughs> it was. It was not good. It really, it really wasn't. <laughs> then he's on cameo two seconds later, talking about elite Scooby Doo and everything. See, that's the part that I think Taker fans like cringe at. He thinks it's seeing him as a normal person. I'm pretty sure it's seeing him do cameos with his gear on at 55. Yeah. Leave it. Yeah. Leave me, you know? There's yeah. the great there's the great thumbnail on the Hot Ones video. Like the Hot Ones yeah. video is he's it's just tragic. Yeah. He's just Mark. <laughs> he's Mark in the Hot Ones video. And like it's a fine interview, whatever he's eating his wings and stuff. But in the thumbnail, he's in the full gear and stuff, and he's like just the like <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know if they realize like the mystique is dead at this point. And that's why I said you've got two crowds at this point. You've got the crowd that knows Mark as like old Texan Mark, and then you have guys that know him as Undertaker Mark. And it's like the mystique is gone at this point. Like either you're gonna lean into the fact that the mystique is gone, or you're gonna have to do something that is incredibly wrestling. And like if you're gonna do this thing that is tied to wrestling tropes, then someone should have attacked him. That's just my opinion of it. I'm glad no one attacked him. I do not need another send off for the Undertaker. I, I think he's going to wrestle again. I, I have full I full belief that he's going to wrestle again. I'm glad they didn't didn't do an angle. Just no, let him walk, did. let him go, and be done with it. It didn't need to be an angle. I'm saying like it would have made perfect sense for Fiend to write him off TV for good, but they mm. weren't going to do that, of course, because they don't want him to be off TV for good. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, that's the, I mean the thing with Taker is is it always rings hollow because we all know that they've done the angle before where a guy a heel literally will just call him out for mania. And like that'll be their out. They'll be like, Well, he called the dead man, you know? <laughs> that's it, he's gotta come back. But he's just the thing I didn't get about it was he very proudly talks about the fact that the Boneyard match was like a mix of all the Undertakers. And he's like, So wouldn't it have made perfect sense to just be like, he wasn't the Undertaker for the Boneyard match. But there's, it's not even like he's never been just like, oh, you know, biker taker on TV. He did it for years. The idea that he's now convinced himself that after pro- producing a eight-part documentary series, he still has to convince us that he wears the hat and the jacket. It's just, I don't know, man. There's a lot going on there. I didn't want to be the guy that puts a damper on it for people that are, like, still all in. I'm kind of, I think it's wild that there's still a lot of people that are, but, like, they are. So, like, I hope they enjoyed it. Sure, I thought the Paul Bearer moment was cool. I'm glad that he got like a, even though it was kind of you know wacky and wrestling. At least like they featured him, right? Because he's an important part of that story. But it was it was weird. It was and it was super weird to put that on after a match between the two biggest stars of the current generation. That's <laughs> even weirder. A couple of super chats to get to, and then we're talking hoops, everybody. Evan Wright says, just wondering your thoughts on the Britt Baker talk show segment. Oh, the first one was really good. Nice to see Tay Conti on it this week. Phil, have you seen the segment? I have not. Sorry. Joseph? Nor, nor have I. 
Is she hanging banners? Is that is she getting shots up in the Sorry, gym? Evan. That's that's what she should be doing. Sorry, buddy. That's, well, I that's will how... watch it as soon as this shows. I'll watch it and tweet about it. If you follow it, me on Twitter, Evan, I'll try to get something out of it. I don't remember what it, I think it's called. Like the waiting room and uh, Jack Evans and and Helico were on the first. It was fine. She she looks a little uncomfortable in it, but I mean she'll she'll grow into it and and be great at it. I'm sure. To be honest, I think it's a bad idea. Not because Brit's not great. I just think, to me, the talk show deal is like so inherently WWE bullshit. My issue with it is that it's on dark and that show's like five hours long. Like we don't need sure. a talk show segment on top of 16 matches mm. that they you, put on that show. Do you not think, we haven't talked about AEW all. So I actually, before, after I We're say going this, to. I just want to get a quick fill take on AEW generally. Okay, that's all I want to do. But I just want to quickly say, to me, the one thing that they can beat them on easily is like when they do actual wrestling promos, because that's just such a distant thing from wrestling fans' brains at this point. When someone does an actual promo, like, oh my god, this is craziness. Talk show stuff is very it's very WWE TV to me. Phil, are you um it seems to me based on your social media and such, I know you did the awesome story for complex, which I enjoyed very much, but you seem to enjoy AEW. Any general takes on they've got a big kind of month coming up after this week, they're back there into the big stuff, right? So you, would you say that's your leading source of like fan excitement as you cover this stuff? Uh, it's interesting because I feel like like when they do like the actual like in ring stuff, they are like best every week almost. Like I feel like they come with the best in ring um, competition every week. But sometimes like their presentation, like I'm not quite sure where we're where we're going with it i mean and you could make that case with of course like the the brit cargill thing i mean the the brandy cargill thing mm-hmm. um and tons of other things like when they miss they they miss <laughs> like it's a whiff <laughs> but when they knock it out the park they knock it out the park well and i think um things like the uh top flight signing and just how well they treated them last week and the video package they did for them those things are great and those are the things that I like about them as a company because they don't stray away from the fact that we care about indie wrestling. We want indie wrestlers to seem like a big deal on our product. And I think in a lot of ways, the Eddie Kingston deal really set a precedent for that, right? A strong precedent of like, he's in many ways, I know a lot of people don't enjoy the elite guys. That is what it is. I can't change anyone's opinion at this point. That's fine. But Eddie was a good example of like why AEW can be cool because it's a major league promotion. Sorry, cool. It's a major league promotion, but it isn't limited like W. I mean, guys, signs for WWE, you're not going to see them for months and months. They repackage them. They've got to do the tryout. They've got to do this. And it's like the beauty of AEW is you get a t- an act like Top Flight just comes on. It's like they are now part of the show. Enjoy them. And that's there's a fun fluidity to that that I think they need to kind of capitalize as much as they can without. Over like, like the roster is already very big, obviously. So it's it's difficult, but they, it's a cool little thing that they can do there. They should have sent Ricky Starks to a tryout and not signed them at all. <laughs> just wanted to make a request to all three of you to tweet at Warren Hayes and just ask him if he knew Top Flight got signed. It's for a big joke on him. Uh, if you guys want to do that, go for it. Sure. <laughs> NBA right, talk. Yes, NBA talk. Send in your super chats. Get your question, comment, statement. Red on air. We're going to talk hoops. Phil, you don't like the Chicago Bulls draft. Why? Listen, so <laughs> there's there's 
there's two varying things that happened here. So going into this thing, we just got like, if you understand Chicago sports, we just got like one of the worst duos in general management out of town in guard packs. So I'm looking at this new regime like, all right, fresh start. Let's get this pick. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So we've got four, we've got the number four pick. Um, not a great draft, not a deep draft, but I'm just waiting for something to go. All right, this team has changed. This isn't the Bulls that I've been languishing and watching for the last you know decade or so. Came in, I was excited. I had my Bulls cap on. I was sitting watching it. Had like three screens up because I was watching all the wrestling and I had draft the draft onto the side. And I'm looking at, you know, top three picks went as I expected. So I was like, okay, we've got a lot of options. This pick comes in, Patrick Williams. And I said, okay, uh, haven't heard a heck of a lot about this kid. He's he's good, like he's versatile. So he could play more than one uh, position. Cool, cool. I don't know if that's a top four pick, but... Okay, so I'm just letting it simmer for a while, and I'm just like, this is totally a Bulls pick. This is totally a Bulls pick. This is totally a Bulls pick. And I'm just like, not letting it bother me. I'm just like, nope, nope. So I'm watching other people pick, and I'm like, why did we pick that guy fourth? Like, why did we do that? So just still watching. And so I kind of have this love-hate relationship with Nick fans. And that's because Nick fans are like avid Bulls haters, from my opinion. And Especially really like, fighting for the bottom of the barrel there. Like, like, well, yeah, of course. But like the, the, especially when Mike was, uh, was on the team, when we had Jordan, there was a lot of peanut gallery talk from New York fans. So, you know, I always enjoyed laughing at them and they've become like my punching bag every time they lose and they do things bad. I'm like, ah, ah at least, you know, as bad as we are, at least we're not the Knicks. So I'm, my my favorite going into this uh, draft is I wanted Obi Toppin. I made that known on Twitter. Like I was like, oh, I really hope we get Obi Toppin. So I'm just watching. Obi didn't go in the top four. He didn't go six, and I was like, he's going to drop two Knicks at me. <laughs> and so when it got announced, I was like, the Bulls really let the Knicks of all teams get Obi Toppin. And I, hey, great story. Brooklyn kid going back to New York. Fantastic. They don't need Obi Top, man. They have like five Fords on that team. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you can make the case that the Bulls don't need Obi Top, but I'm just, that's a pick that I feel like we should have made. And so I was irritated as a Bulls fan, and I was like, I can't laugh at the Knicks this time. They got this right. <laughs> it's just, everything about it bothered me. And I've seen videos of this kid play. Like, Patrick Williams is going to be. Decent, but you picked a kid that didn't even start. He came off the bench. He wasn't even starting for Florida State. I love that this is like part. It's part who you pick, but it's almost all Knicks. It's like <laughs> it's the fact that it was the Knicks, right? It's like oh, this is. I can't even laugh at the Knicks anymore. God damn, I'm not a draft guy, so I can't. Jeremy, I know you're not particularly either, but do you have any takes on the on the pick? It seems like Bulls fans outside of O'Neal don't really like the pick, so I would assume it's a bad pick. Um, I, I I don't know. It, I think the Bulls were in discussions to trade that pick. Like Phil said, it seemed like the top three were, all right, those those are kind of set in stone. After three, 
it gets kind of dicey of like who is actually like going to be good and a difference maker and stuff. If I was the Bulls, I probably would have tried to trade out of that spot, trade back, acquire a future first, acquire some seconds or something. You know, they did what they did. The Bulls are just going to be, I, I like the Bulls and the Knicks are, are like Zach Levine sucks. No, RJ Barrett sucks. Like, what are we arguing about here? Zach Levine and RJ Barrett? That's who we're arguing about? Like, come on. Hang on a second. Zach Levine has his flaws, but it's not going that far, okay? (laughs) He's not not RJ Barrett. Yeah, come on. I don't mind mind Zach Levine, okay? I I think he's actually really good and on a better team would be much better. But, I mean, you're you're fighting for 13th and 12th in the East. Like, is this a – that's the part that cracks me up. It's like, this is a real robbery. Like, oh, we're going to get that 12th seed. Don't worry. Yeah, I mean – and don't get me wrong, I don't think Obi is gonna make is gonna put the New York Knicks over and make them this fantastic team, but I thought it was a good pick for them. And it's mostly because I like the kid and I wanted to draft him. And I it was just kinda like looking at a girl that you've been sitting at the bar wanting to talk to all night and you looking at this loser across the across the floor that has like his shoes untied or something else, can't get anything else together, and they somehow pull this chick and it's like, why did this happen? Like <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Tremendous analogy. That was strong. Analogy. There was layers to that. You kept adding yeah. as you went there. It was impressive. <laughs> this is the benefit of not being a draft guy. It's like, I, it could be any name. And like I'm one YouTube video away from working myself into being excited. Yeah. Like, I'm one away. Jeremy's going to have to become a draft guy. Because in, in a couple of years, we're going to have every pick in one season. couple of years. Program. It's going to be next year. <laughs> this I, I need to do this, Phil. Um I'm glad you got that out, the ball stuff. But my friend Jeremy texted me um, last week, I believe it was, and he said, it's been very tough, Joe. I'm struggling greatly because Stephen Adams has left the Oklahoma City Funder. And he'd, <laughs> he'd, been, <laughs> he'd been saying for a very long time he was fine with losing. But it seemed that the moment it happened, it was her. And I understand that. That makes sense. It's Jeremy, true, just, go just, just go ahead, man. Like, get out, talk about Steve, bid farewell. I've been texting with my Thunder buddy as well. And look, I didn't like see it. OKC would have beaten the Rockets in the first round if Steven Adams just didn't play a single second in that series. And I'm still mad. Good luck with that Billy Donovan as your coach, by the way, Phil. Um, I'm still <laughs> mad that he played Steven Adams that many minutes in that series. I was ready for him to go. I really was. Uh, but the, the moment it happens, it's still like it's still sad. You know, when when Westbrook got traded, we knew it was coming. We all knew it was coming. But like it's still it's still a sad moment. They did really well on that deal. But to get they a did. first round pick for they Steven did. Adams, who was on an expiring contract, and I just don't know how much like he contributes to that Pelicans team. And then they signed him to a two year deal, which that I mean, was strange. I wanted to ask that. you about that because you're like the Steven Adams expert on the podcast. <laughs> Steven but Adams like, expert. Like I was <laughs> Thanks, mate. To me, the whole the whole thing with Zion was just get a big man that's not going to clog up the paint, can shoot the ball and let Zion like just get to the rim. And it's like, yeah, Steve Adams is the guy for that job. Great job. Like it's, that seemed odd to me. I think they're just going to like pound teams. Like they're just going to try to break the the Bang centers. They're just going to try to break the the front court of all these other teams. Like we got Zion and Adams. I mean, who is going to try to get in the uh, restricted area with these two just banging bodies with them? It's it's defense, right? Is what they're going for, I guess. His, his defense has slipped so much. Though. Oh my god! Like, what are you paying for? 
I don't know. I don't know why they signed him to that extension before he played a game with him. It was a baffling decision, but Hey, thanks for the first round pick. Thanks for the couple second rounds picks. Thanks to George Hill. Who we're going to flip into another first round pick. Thanks to Darius Miller. who are going to flip into a second round pick and all these other guys who I don't know who I'm not going to learn because they're going to be traded in two weeks for more draft picks. That That's what's going to happen with this team. Okay. I have a question for my guests here today. I know it's my show, Jeremy. You're my guest now. I just wanted to say that. Um, you guys are far more knowledgeable than me, so I pass the ball to you and I ask a simple question. Am I allowed to be excited about the Philadelphia 76 next year? <laughs> just, just, you know, answer as fairly as you want. It may hurt me, but that's fine. Phil, um, you have takes on the Sixers? It depends on what they do over the next week because I think they have a much better chance of getting hardened than the, than the Nets do. and. I'm not quite sure if Harden's going to leave Houston, but he's kind of almost burned that bridge. You know, once you kind of try to out your owner as a Trump guy and do all this other stuff to get out of town, you're pretty much probably going to be out of there. And I I think the chances of him going to Philly with Maury are a lot higher than him going to Brooklyn. Um, So it all depends. Now, I just don't know what is the upside of keeping Ben Simmons at this point. Oh, not a Ben Simmons guy. Oh, no. Joseph, I that's got to be disappointing to hear. I, 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 just, I, I told Phil, be fair. I have to sit, I'm have to. i here to listen and learn. That's all. Go ahead, Phil. I just don't know what the upside is. And, I mean, that's not to say that Ben Simmons is bad, but he's just not going to be a franchise guy, at least in my opinion. Like, I just don't think – I don't think he has the scoring ability to be a franchise guy. And unless you're going to move him into a second option and bring in a guy like Harden – I don't know, and I don't see a scenario where they can get Harden and keep Simmons. No, I agree with that. I think the, the the idea of it being like Harris, I think, is insane. But like, there's no reason for the Rockets to be like, yes, yeah. we want to be a cheap team. Let's trade for <laughs> Tobias Harris's four-year, 150. Like, that's not no, happening. No. However, um, Phil, when I asked you to be fair, what I actually meant was, please tell me I should be excited. So I'm very disappointed <laughs> by your answer. Jeremy, have you any positivity to even this out? <laughs> I think I texted you, uh, would you do the Simmons for Harden deal? And what was your reply to that? I don't know, kayfabe, brother. I probably said yes, but you know, I'm working <laughs> I'm working a bit here. It's not it's not out of me like that. I think your deal was like uh look, I like the, the Sixers. Right? Joseph is now frozen on the Sixers oh, talk here. I like the the Sixers if they keep the roster together. They actually got some shooting, um, Curry, Danny Green. Maybe Terrence Ferguson, probably not. I'm not even going to try to sell the idea of Terrence Ferguson. Uh, but they got they got some shooters. They got players who fit better with what they want to do with Simmons and Embiid. The question is, can Simmons and Embiid stay together on the floor and can they maximize each other? That's a Doc Rivers problem to figure out. I do think the Sixers got better just because they got a little bit more balance than, hey, let's go with five guys who are 6'10", and none of them can create their own shot. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, the coaching is going to be better. I mean, people can say what they want. I know the Clippers are the running joke of the league, but Doc is going to bring better coaching to the team. I'm right back. I'm right here. Yeah, yeah you're fine. Well, I, I didn't know I was frozen that whole time. Very scary. No, no, no. It was, it was briefly. It was briefly. Okay, good. I agree with Phil. I, the Doc thing is like, it's... The deal with the coaches is if you go by like NBA Twitter, there's like one and a half good coaches in the whole league, right? So at some point it's like you gotta just you gotta do with what you got and like Doc is a good coach. It's just 
there's issues there that have come along the way, but you have to do what you got to do. I am frightened by my own optimism for this team. I am very scared by the fact that I've allowed myself to, to fall in love again. Shouldn't have happened. Should have learned from my mistakes. But I'm here. I'm convincing myself that Danny Green is actually great. And everyone was a fool to, to, to poke fun at him. And I, look, Phil, I'm fine with you laughing at Jeremy's Lana takes. So you can't laugh outwardly at my Danny Green optimism. Okay, that's too far. Okay, I'm trying myself here. here Danny Green, championship DNA, right? I'm glad the camera cut off. DNA, baby. There you go, right? Big part for championship DNA. Follow the pattern. Follow the pattern. Everywhere he goes, it's rings. I'm ready. Get the banners ready. Get the, the championship ceremony ready. I don't know what's going to happen, but I will say, and I know Maury is like, he's somewhat polarizing, but it is nice that like when a move happens, you have like a, a faith that if nothing else, that dude generally has like an idea of what he wants to achieve. Yeah. Any deal that Elton Brand did, it was like, <laughs> I don't know if he just had a bad morning. Like, I don't know if he had a tough night last night. Like, I don't know if he... And to be fair to Elwin, I don't think a lot of it was him at all. I think it was him being used as the front man for the front office. But at least with Maury, it's like if he does something crazy, there's probably a method to his madness, if nothing else. So there's my optimism, at least. Well, yeah. Elton, oh, go ahead, Phil. Elton's, uh, Elton's kind of got like a rough go of it as a as a leaguer, right? Because he drafted to my team, stayed here, played a pretty good good year, terrible season then immediately becomes a clipper. Like, he doesn't know what winning looks like. So it's like, you can expect him. <laughs> there was no need. Yeah, that's one way That's one way to put it. It's like, yeah, the Sixers just signed a guy who's just a big loser. Now, Great big loser. Run, run, run the franchise, Elton, you loser. <laughs> On his office wall, he's got the nameplate, loser. <laughs> Ray Callahan's got a super chat. Bulls pick was disappointing. When's Jordan versus LeVar? What is Michael Jordan doing in Chicago? Like, they're they're like, that ninth seed. Ninth seed's looking real good right now. Like, that's what they're going for, right? Like, I mean, I guess I get it. This is why I appreciate what, like, Sam Presti is actually doing. Is like, you're either trying to compete for a title or just tear it all down and try to compete for a title in five years. Or whatever. Like, yeah, Pressy could have just kept Chris Paul, could have kept the team together, probably run it back, gotten the sixth seed or whatever. I mean, maybe other teams get better, so you fall off a little bit, but fine, sure. But what's the longevity of that team? It's not much. Just tear it all down, get all these draft picks, try to hit on a superstar at some point. The fan base, like, the fan base is going to take a hit this year and for the next couple of years. Hopefully, they understand. The Hornets, though, they're just like, Terry Rozier, got to give him $30 million. Gordon Hayward, $40 million. Got to do it. If you got a chance to do it, you just have to. <laughs> like, they're, they're going to trade for Al Horford here pretty soon, and oh which, God. great. Give me some picks. Give us some picks for Al Horford. We'll take it. I don't know what they're doing in Charlotte. I, I just don't. Well, well my thing Go is, <laughs> once, you got past, uh, once you got past Wiseman, Melo was the pick, so I yeah. understood them picking him because he was he he was the best pick available at third at that point. Um, now, just the optic of Jordan being the one to draft him is hysterical, and it is one of the greatest gifts of 2020. Um, but it's just I don't know. I don't know what their aim is. Like you've got f- four guards on that team that play basically the same way. You've got Rozier, um, Devonte Graham. There you go. You got Graham and Melo now. 
and LaMelo. So you're going to have to move a guard up that team. Um, trade for Russell Westbrook. Got to do it. If you got a chance to trade for Russell Westbrook, why not? Russ is – I don't see Russ going, yeah, I'm I'm going to Charlotte to, to play with Hayward. Like, I'm leaving this situation to go play. I mean, that, that increases their ceiling for better or for worse. I mean, it takes them from a ninth seed to an eighth seed, maybe a seventh seed. Like, you know, yeah. if, if the goal is to make the playoffs – Russell Westbrook helps you make the playoffs more than Devontae Graham or Terry Rozier. Yes, but Kimber also made more sense, but we went with Rozier, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, the Rozier thing was just strange in many ways. But You're texting me at 3 a.m. like, Jeremy, Terry Rozier, talking myself into a... (laughs) We had Al Horford. (laughs) I need players that can dribble the ball, Jeremy. Every time I get fired up, the camera turns off. (laughs) Here's, so what's the starting fire for the Hornets? I guess they got Washington, right? They got Hayward. Who's the center these days in, in Charlotte, folks? Anyone? No idea. Bayumbo? They just a Zeller probably. They got Cody like Zeller. Zeller oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. baby. <laughs> it's, it's not like Cody he's Zeller, a, geez. No, it's a bad team. It's a Washington's bad team. Not big either, right? So he's he's like six seven. PJ Washington, yeah. right? It's yeah. not a good team at all. I tried to talk myself into it. I no, that, that Hornets team is awful. Like, Small ball, baby. Rogier at the free. Let's go. Let's run. <laughs> Let's run. Let's run the floor. I mean, look, the three-guard lineup worked for Oklahoma City, but I think Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Dennis Schroeder, kind of just better than LaMelo Ball, uh, Devontae Graham. Prove it. Scary, <laughs> scary Terry says otherwise. Prove it, Jeremy Lamb. But what are you going to do? That, that Hornets team is just poorly, poorly constructed. I have, no, I have no idea what they're doing. But if they want Al Horford, you got some first-round picks to give up, we'll, we'll gladly give you Al Horford. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't see Charlotte. I don't see Charlotte winning over 30 games. Maybe. That's generous. I don't see them winning, winning over winning. 20 games. I don't know. The East, <laughs> the East is bad, man. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll get it's not. It's not but good, but, like, that – that's a bad team. Like that's just a really bad basketball team. I guess the East isn't even bad anymore. It's just top heavy, I guess. Right. There's like yeah, a huge it's... drop off from like the top five, six to the rest. The rest, the rest is pretty weak. Right. The rest is just stuck in yeah. mediocrity and that's where they're just going to probably be forever, but they think they can win or something. The magic, anytime you got a chance to run <laughs> back the eighth seed Orlando magic <laughs> squad, you just got to do it. You know? Hey, bro, they're not running it back. They let Augustine go. Okay, new era in Orlando, baby. New era. Just, just god awful. <laughs> what way to end this? Talking about the Magic and the Hornets, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel bad because I feel like, I feel like it's going to get worse because I think Giannis is not going to stay with Milwaukee. I don't see him. Oh, I hope you're wrong. I don't see him resigning. What? Hang on, why is Jeremy so upset about this? What's happening, Jeremy? Dude, what? I do not want Giannis to like, oh, let's go to the Warriors or the Lakers. Like, I'm I'm tired of these dudes going to like big mart, leaving small markets as a Thunder fan who dealt with the pain of Kevin Durant who ruined 4th of July 2016. <laughs> I don't want to see Giannis. He did. Dude, my mom texted me. Legitimately. My mom texted me. I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the couch. Uh, waiting for this Kevin Durant decision. I could not sleep that night. Just could not sleep. Okay. It's 4th of July sitting on the couch and waiting on this Durant decision. His stupid letter comes through next chat. And fuck off, dude, it comes through and I read it. And 
all this stuff. Just very upset. I'm so, so, so upset. My mom texts me and she goes, happy 4th of July. And I'm like, fuck this holiday. Fuck Kevin Durant. That was my text back to her. And she's like, what happened? And I was just like, I don't care, mom. Fuck America. That's what, what is, I said. What does this have to do with Giannis leaving Milwaukee? Guys, I don't need Milwaukee fans going through that pain. He, he might I'm, not leave on the 4th of July. <laughs> he may do it on the 3rd or the 5th or the 6th. You don't know, Jeremy Lambert. You need to calm down, man. This started very calmly. What's happened here? We've all lost our minds. The 4th of July slander. Don't bring control. up Durant around me. I don't think you anybody did. Kevin Durant. <laughs> we were talking about Giannis leaving Milwaukee. And you were like, Kevin Durant, 4th of July. Fuck him. Fuck I don't America. want Milwaukee fans to go through this pain. Pulaski's going to block them all. Pulaski's blocking people anytime you talk bad about uh, Milwaukee and stuff. This is incredible. I feel bad for them. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm sorry. We should never have gone there. We'll never mention a, a star leaving a small market again. Never again. It's very wow. hurtful. Fourth of July got ruined because That's of fine. that. That's fine. We, we know we'll never go back to that. I promise. So, so not on high, not high on the Brooklyn Nets. Then that is that what you're saying? Not high on them. No, I, look, I hope they get hardened, and I hope it's just the biggest train wreck in the entire world. I've, I've, I clearly love Kevin Durant now, and I've forgiven everything, and he's fine, and it's great. Good on him. He's happy in Brooklyn. Cool. Yeah. Play with Kyrie. Whatever. Forgive I mean, me. Forget. But, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've watched sports long <laughs> enough to understand that nobody – Nobody rides off into the sunset in New York. Nobody gets their happy ending in New York. When has that ever worked for anyone? <laughs> I agree. I, I think it's going to be a disaster. But I mean, good. I hope it's a disaster. <laughs> I think I we know. So. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this guy doesn't I mean, win another title ever again. The Fourth of July has destroyed me. I'm sorry. This is sports, but, Jeremy, coming out right here. This is what you got to deal with, all right? This is what okay. you got to deal with. This, this, this conclude this with some form of format and structure. Phil, NBA Finals next year. Who you, who you taking from the West, the East, and then eventually who you think is going to become champ? I know it's early, I know, but like just for the sake of you know bringing some formality back to this, I think got to be uh, got to assume that the Lakers are coming out of the West. Um, nobody else stands out at the moment. Um, Clay getting hurt is colossal. Him getting hurt, like, I think they were, like, the closest to come back. I mean, they still have a lot of issues, but they were going to at least be able to compete. Now I have no clue. Uh, I don't believe in Denver beating the Lakers at this point. Getting us all puts the Lakers over them, I think. Uh, so yeah, gotta go with Lakers. Uh, East East is kind of a toss up. If if Durant comes back and he's Durant and he doesn't get hurt, probably Nets. Um, yeah, yeah, probably Nets. Um, I could see Miami going back, but they're gonna have a they're gonna have a tough time repeating that season. That was just yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I always feel like I'm being dismissive when I talk about Miami. But it's more the fact that it's just like it feels it feels like it went so great for them last year that it's almost not last year, like about a month ago. <laughs> it's almost like it, it's hard to it's it's difficult to see it going the same way. But that doesn't mean it won't, right? Like they're, they're probably the best coach team in the league. So I don't know. It's it's difficult. I mean, I'll say this much. 
the broadcasters would be very happy with a Brooklyn Lakers final, right? The amount of different plot narratives and soap opera bullshit yeah. they could tie into that one, they'd be very happy. So, I don't know. That'd be fun. I think the Lakers... I, I do think the Clippers got better. I, I think Ibaka is an upgrade over Montrez for how that team just kind of functions. Um, so, I like that move on their part. The Lakers are still better. Like, Dennis Schroeder is an upgrade. Like, he's an actual, like, third guy for that yeah. team. Sorry, Kyle Kuzma. Um, like the Lakers, for the Lakers, I guess they don't technically have Anthony Davis right now. I mean, they will, but they will. The, the Lakers, the only way I see something happen to them, if like LeBron actually gets old, and I just, I don't know if that guy is going to get old on the I, basketball I, court. They're going to coast for like two months because LeBron's going to be like, I ain't, I ain't worried about this first two months. I, you know, I didn't get enough time off. I'll just take it easy. And then they'll flip a switch and they'll be fine. Uh, in the East, I really want to just talk myself into Milwaukee because I like the Drew Holiday deal. I don't know what they have like coming off the bench right now. I do think missing out on Bogdanovich was kind of big. They did get Augustine, right? I'm, I'm, they did yeah. get DJ Augustine. Like that was Is a good it? pickup. I feel like we got another piece or two there. Um, yeah, if the Nets... I do. I think the Nets are just going to be a disaster, really. Like on the court, they'll be okay. It really feels like people are going to talk themselves into the Nets the same way they talk themselves into the Clippers and just completely ignore like actual chemistry and off court stuff. And that's my issue with the Nets. Just to be clear, Jeremy, because um, I'm just picking up what you were putting down there. You know, when you mentioned Anthony Davis's contract situation. Yeah. Was you speculating that he could, in fact, be the center that the Charlotte Hornets are waiting for? <laughs> it could. Technically, the Hornets could sign him. Like They could have spent that money on Anthony Davis instead of Gordon Hayward. S- sign and trade with Terry Rozier. Yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah. everyone watching this knows who I'm picking from the East because I am a hopeless romantic, and I am predicting the Philadelphia 76ers to not let me down. I refuse. I refuse to give in. The West, I'm with both you guys. I think the Lakers have got better. So, like, to me, they're the obvious pick. But I I think Phil nailed it with, like, Clay being hurt really takes the luster away from one of the more interesting dynamics of the West, right? Like, the whole thing of can Golden State come back and reclaim what they had? Yeah, It's there, but not really now, right? Because Clay's wow. just too integral yeah. to it. So, I don't know. I guess Philly to win it all, right, guys? That's what we concluded here, right? Was <laughs> that was our final point, wasn't it? It, it all depends. I mean, man, I mean, if the Clippers manage to get Rondo instead of letting him sign this re- weird deal in Atlanta, I think the Clippers could have potentially been a favorite too. But you're not going to win with Beverly as your starting point guard. You're, yeah. you're not. He's not going to give you the scoring you need. I mean, his his defense is there, but it's it's inconsistent. Like you're you're not gonna win with him as your starting point guard. Patrick Beverly got them tricked on defense. He don't actually play no defense. It's it's the creation too, right? Like their best players are both guys that generally like to get their own. And it's like when your point guard is a guy who just isn't like an actual point guard, right? It's yeah, yeah it's, it gets it's a very clunky offense as a result. Yeah. Uh, so I guess win it all. I guess Lakers is my guess. That's probably uh, Aaron Entertainment leads a super chat. Then we're going to play the uh, full Goldberg cameo, Gilbert, Goldberg, one of the two. We're going to play the, the full uh, Gilbert cameo. Aaron Entertainment says Ibaka is an upgrade over Harold. Yes, I agree. I agree yeah. And I think they're better for that, but I'm with, I'm with these two in that Patrick Beverly being your starting point guard. Uh, if they could get Derek Rose, 
Like, oh my god, I would love it. It's, it's not like terrible. I know Derrick Rose isn't Derrick Rose, but he can at least still get buckets. Listen, I have been when I tell you the, the Obi Obi Toppin thing was hurting. If Derrick went to the Lakers, I would have just shuddered. Is he on the Clippers, Phil? Like, could not watch it. I've watched I've watched LeBron take two Chicago guys and turn them into his lackey and sidekick for too long. I will not let him do it. Dude, I, I'm sorry. This is almost like you saying Durant was just hurt my soul. I was like, please don't do this, Derek. Do it. Don't do was it. going to the Clippers, not the Lakers. <laughs> He's going okay. to the Clippers. Hopefully, he goes to the Clippers. Do, do not go to do not go to the LA team. Don't do it. <laughs> Why would they downgrade? Uh, go to the Clippers. Rose from Sign, get out of Detroit. There's nothing. He's too tall, or he's too uh, small for Detroit. He got like eight centers right now. <laughs> it works yeah, so well. He's, he's got to get out Detroit, of Detroit. Well, all right, everybody. Yeah, this is the out full... of Detroit. First of all, go huh? ahead, Phil. Go ahead. Now I was gonna say, first of all, nothing good has happened in Detroit for a Chicago player ever. Don't. What are you doing in Detroit? Like <laughs> <laughs> Detroit, they. I think they need more centers. That's their issue right now. All right, everyone. Get, get the, more cowbell. Yeah, the full Gilbert cameo purchased to us by our buddy Tank Bearclaw. Here we go. What's up, Jeremy and Joe? How you doing? It's Gilbert, the WWS longest reigning late heavyweight champion. What's up, man? So I understand I got contacted by a friend of yours that you have a little internet show there. And, well, he asked me to do him a favor. So, without further ado, I hope you can get this. And, uh, hey, Tank Bearclaw, you got it, brother. This one's for you. And welcome to the destruction. Ah, I said it wrong. Distraction. As I said, destruction. It's distraction. You gotta get it right, man. What the hell is wrong with you? Ah, ha, ha, ha. This is Gilbert. And welcome to the destruction. Ah, ha, ha. How's that, brother? Is that good enough for you? Yeah. Let's do it one more time. Just, just you cut it and get the right one, okay? And welcome to the distraction. <laughs> hey, brother, how was that? Was that good enough for you? Can you cut that out of there? Yeah. All right, well, Tank, you take it easy, and you guys say Tank the Tanks. Or say Tanks the Tank. That's it. Yeah. All right, look, you guys have a ball, man. This is Gilbert and Tanks. Oh, man, look at how all of see you. <laughs> what a well, man. Wow. Gilbert. Wow. I like how he wanted us to cut the uh, the good one. I was like, no, the destruction one is much better. That's the one I'm cutting for the intro. Every time I watch it, it <laughs> appears to be extended in some way. I've always, I always thought I'm watching like a director's cut. I always think he said it now. That's it. He said it the amount of time. And then he goes, how about this, brother? And every time it feels like I get one more. of them. I He's quite the experience. Every time it throws me off. But, yes, that is apparently something I'm going to hear every, like, four days now. So, well, wow, <laughs> what a treat that will be. Now, we won't use it on the review show, but every week, that's our intro. The destruction. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, sure. I'm fine with that. I mean, at this point, it's it's about as best as we can do, right? It's about what this show deserves, so... And sure. if anybody else wants to buy us a cameo to get, if you want to spend a thousand dollars on the Undertaker, being like, <laughs> no. watch this attraction. No, I would rather you. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money. If you want to purchase us cameos for distraction intros? Go for it, everybody. All right. It is You're more awesome. than welcome to do it. It is awesome. It's very, very cool. But it's just, it was <laughs> when it turned up in my DMs. I just couldn't quite believe what I was watching. But I'm very thankful for it. It's very cool. It turned up at like 2 a.m. in my DMs last night, and I watched it and was just in awe of what I had just seen. <laughs> just amazing stuff. Thank you to Tank Bearclaw for getting that for us. Uh, Dwayne Gill, Gilberg, exceptional man. Exceptional man, Joseph. Phil, appreciate you joining us today. Where can the people find you? Always a pleasure, sir. Uh, find me on Twitter at PhilDL616. You can find my writing at Bleacher Report and Sportskeeda. Joseph, where can the people find you? Where can they find me, Jeremy? Yeah. New alert. Get rid of the numbers. Doesn't need them anymore. There's only one Joe Holbert now. At Joe Holbert on the Twitter. I now use Fleet. I fill it with random faults, which sometimes are just pictures of Barry Windham. Sometimes they'll be just sort of like, you know, oh, this will do good numbers, and I'll do it as like a case study on what people click on on Fleet. That's my new thing. If you like my tweets where I just tweet single words and then delete them after an hour, you will love my fleet because that's effectively what they are. They're just pictures. So that's the thing I do. That's the only reason I came on today, effectively, is just talk about fleet. It took me an hour and 40 minutes to get in. But it's just, <laughs> as both of these guys know, I had before I said, I've got to talk about fleet. So fleet, I have no articles coming up because I don't write anymore because I'm a coward. I'm just a podcaster that doesn't have a working camera or internet connection. So tune into this show whenever it's on next. I don't even know what we're doing next, but we talk about wrestling sometimes and do films and stuff. Jeremy, thanks. <laughs> how do you know if your fleets are doing no? Like, how do you know what's it doing you. numbers? It yeah, says but if this you many click, people saw this one. Right, right. But if you click the fleet, they don't know what it is. So they're just, it's like a mystery. Why, why are you doing this? Can you not just let me pretend this? I was going to do like a spreadsheet at the end and be like, female you know woman, woman's division 2016 pictures do better than barry windham 1993 pictures and now you've taken that away from me you've ruined my bit before it even started the legs but it's not only started walking and you've cut it off already so that's anyway that's the deal thanks for joining us phil this is what you usually do on here as you can tell it's a pretty wild show but it's a pleasure i enjoyed it thanks everybody for listening uh check out fivo.com five was like sign up we'll be back next tuesday doing a movie review no idea what we're reviewing don't know if jack's gonna join us we're still figuring things out we're figuring out a lot of things a lot of moving parts at the distraction offices this week what was that yes <laughs> yes you're right uh, we'll talk to everybody then say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.